Thursday, uh, October 14th, and welcome to Zoom with Zarni. Uh, today's guest, I have Diane Dwyer, who's running for 6th County Legislative District, uh, which is the southwest corner of Onondaga County, going down from the western portion of Camillus all the way down uh, to Spafford and Skinny Atlas area. Uh, she's a dynamic, important candidate. Uh, she's running a very hard race in a, in a Republican district, but a district that has voted for Joe Biden and uh, has voted also for Diane Dwyer in the past as she's run for her assembly races uh, there, although she ended up losing those races because of the votes in Cayuga County. She has a really good shot at winning this race, uh, and I hope you stick around for the interview. Uh, today I was going to talk to you about the upcoming absentee ballot deadline, which I'm still going to talk to you about because it's important. That is Monday the 18th, but some breaking news. The Onondaga County Reapportionment Committee, or the Redistricting uh, met yesterday, and the Republicans hatched and delivered a plan to have all of their public meetings happen before Election Day this year. This is a rushed process that has been uh, hatched over and birthed over the last week, and it is all designed to keep you, the public, out of the out of the hearings that they promised to have. It's all designed to keep the Republicans in power. Uh, and it's all designed to be able to ram through maps that are partisan maps uh, that do not take into account the diversity of our community uh, and have those voted on before Democrats can, can take control of the legislature if they are able to win uh, races this November. There, it is a naked partisan grab, and if you go to the Fair Map CNY page, you will see a video of the meeting and see how they refuse to take any of my questions. Refuse, and I'm a commission member. Refuse to answer any of my uh, questions. Refuse to give data, uh, so we could actually start drawing the maps and said that it'll come in time. But they are holding four public hearings between October 22nd and uh, October uh, 29th. Uh, it is amazing to me that they're going to try to do this. By the way, three out of those four hearings are on Fridays, and uh, two of those hearings are on uh, October 22nd. Uh, but they haven't given the times or the dates uh, or the places, uh, only the dates. Uh, so this is uh, an ongoing thing. Uh, I Please check out the articles that are out there on this. Uh, as soon as I have more information regarding the uh, times and places of the public hearings, I will be posting that on my uh, Facebook feeds because I believe that you, the public, should be a uh, part of this redistricting uh, decisions. This is decisions that we are going to have for the next 10 years and ran through this process in the matter of 21 days, right before an election, taking elections commissioners away from their duties, running elections, and having them do this non-vital work that could have done after the election in early next year is particularly disturbing for me. So, uh, and I'm going to be talking to the Attorney General's office uh, about that. Uh, it's gonna be up to them to decide what they believe is, if there's anything wrong with that or not. But I believe that it is interfering with my duties as elections commissioner to properly run these elections. Uh, and though I do make this promise to you <laughs> that I will do everything I can to, do, to burn every candle at both ends to be able to serve 
on both uh, the reapportionment committee and make sure that the election runs smoothly because it is too important not to do. Um, but it, I need your help. I need you to come to these meetings. I need you to voice your opinion. I need to hear from you about whether these maps are fine, according to Mr. Knapp, or whether they need to be changed. So please, please uh, pay attention. Get out there, check out my social feeds. I'll be posting ad nauseum about this uh, over the next few weeks. But now I'm going to turn my uh, podcast over to Diane Dwyer, my interview with her. Uh, she's running for sixth county legislative district, uh, representing Camillus, Guinea Atlas, Marcellus, Baffert, uh, and uh, uh, several points in between. <laughs> uh, and, and she's just a great candidate. And I hope uh, uh, you uh, check her out and, uh, and check out her vision for Onondaga County, a retired nurse uh, and someone who is uh, really fighting to uh, represent average people in our county legislature. Thank you very much. And have a good day. Bye-bye. And I'm very happy to have my good friend, Diane Dwyer. Uh, Diane and I have known each other for quite some time. Uh, she's always been an incredible supporter of mine and, uh, and, and just an incredible Democrat. And I'm so happy that she's running for office this year for County Legislative District 6, which is the southwest corner uh, of, uh, of Onondaga going from Camillus all the way down uh, to Skinny Atlas. Diane, thank you so much for coming on Zoom with Zarni. Well, thank you very much for having me. It'll be a pleasure. I'm glad to be able to talk a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, so uh, Diane, I know a lot of people in this area know you from your runs for office, from your time as party chair, but there may be some people on the podcast that don't know who you are or don't know everything about you. Uh, so can you just tell us who's Diane Dwyer? Let me start out. Well, it was very, very interesting. Um, but when I started vaccinating, people said to me, I didn't know you were a nurse. And I thought that that was surprising. So the first thing is that, you know, other than a woman, a mother, a wife, I'm a nurse and I'm a veteran. I'm a lifelong resident of Camillus. The only time I've really been away from Camillus is when I was in school or when I was in, serving in the Army Nurse Corps. I graduated from West Genesee High School. I went to Niagara University. I have a master's in adult ed from Moorhead State. Took some administrative courses from Chapman College. I, I guess I'm a perennial student. I always feel no matter how old I am, I can always learn something new or refresh what I, I already knew. I um, Initially, like I said, I graduated from Niagara and I went directly into the military for six years of active duty, 18 years in the reserves here at the Combat Support Hospital in Liverpool. New York. I simultaneously worked for the Onondaga County Health Department and ended my career after 27 years with the New York State Department of Health. I was the regional director. We covered an area from, uh, I always say, from the Canadian border to the Pennsylvania border. And I have, uh, as everybody says, once you're in retirement, you often wonder how you had time to work. Well, I am in that mode. I sometimes wonder where do I have, how did I ever do it when I was working? I'm, I'm active in ways. I'm on the board of directors, which is the ambulance service here. I'm active in, I'm treasurer of the NAACP. 
I'm active in the National Organization for Women, the local chapter, the American Red Cross, League of Women Voters. So I've been able to really enjoy retirement by being active in organizations that I couldn't when I was employed by the State Health Department. That, yeah, I've always been amazed at everything that you do uh, in our community. You're always, um, <laughs> seem to be, every time I turn around and I go to a community meeting, you're there as part of not just somebody who's there, but somebody who's actively involved in the management of the organization, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, all, and very active involved in the, in the discussions and helping the community. Uh, and that's why I'm so glad that you're running again for office because um, you're already a treasure to our community, but why, why now? Why are you running again? And why are you running for county legislature in the sixth yes. district? Ah, thank you for the question, because I left out that I was on the Camillus Town Board for six years, right. <laughs> and I did forget that, and as I think you mentioned, I'd run for the Assembly, and after that, I said, I'm never going to run again, that's it, I'm done, I'm hanging it up, and then last, a year ago in November, um, the county legislators, the county budget had a $77 million cash reserve, and my good friend Peggy Chase, another nurse who is uh, on the county ledge, asked for 1.9 million to be taken out to bring back healthcare workers, the nurses, social workers, uh, EMTs, and other healthcare workers. We knew we were going into the middle of the pandemic and it was voted down. Totally unacceptable, totally a disgrace. This is an issue that dealt with people's human lives. We are a month away from starting our vaccination clinics in December. Um, and I, like I said, that, I said, that did it for me. I'm in, I'm running because my, the chair of the health committee was my, is my opponent and she voted against bringing back healthcare workers. Totally, as I said, disgraceful. Yeah, not only did she vote against it, but then she took an op-ed to the paper saying how unnecessary it was. And now we're getting uh, news this week um, or last week, uh, uh, I, I don't know, time's a circle right now, everything is coming <laughs> together, but it was in the recent weeks that, uh, that there's a federal investigation into the county and their practices of um, overworking healthcare workers and maybe not even paying them for that overtime. Um, and as you said, your opponent voted against it. She was a vocal opponent of it, even though she was the chair of uh, the Health and Human uh, care services. and But I also noticed a common thread with the people that I've been interviewing for County Ledge. There's a healthcare background in a lot of, a lot of you, you, Peggy, uh, you mentioned Peggy Chase, who's District 9. We've already interviewed her. Uh, we've interviewed uh, Dr. Sunny Aslam, who's, um, yeah. you know, running in the neighbor district to yours and uh, in the, in the, in the uh, 12th. And then, of course, Dr. Chanel Benson-Reed. She's an educator doctor, but she has a background in healthcare business healthcare. management. So, it, you know, it, it, I do find that, you know, in this time of pandemic that healthcare workers are, are stepping up to the, uh, to the front. So how is your healthcare background specifically going to help you with uh, being a county legislator in this time that we're still battling COVID and seeing these cases rise? 
Uh, two things, you may have to remind me to what, how it's going to benefit me, because I really want to say one thing first when you were talking, trying to, my opponent trying to justify not doing this. I started vaccinating people in December. We vaccinated through May of this year. And I will tell you, I, I worked with the county health department. Um, the, the ex, I didn't go to the expo. It was doing an excellent job. But I really want to talk about these county health workers and a lot of people that came out of retirement, obviously myself, were working six to seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day. And they just kept going and they kept going and they were pleasant and they were nice. And, you know, it was, I, I have to honestly say, I'd come into, the, we started in the war memorial, then we went to the on center and I could go in every time I went in to help. It was like, it was a pleasant experience. They made it nice. They really treated the people, their staff, the volunteers, everybody. Um, and, and I always say my patients, the patients that came through and everybody always commented on how good and how organized it was. But I got to tell you, I will I cannot not say how hard these people worked and how many hours they put in and to suggest that they shouldn't be paid for that time is is once again something unacceptable and to the best of my knowledge against the law. I've dealt with the law and the Labor Department over my years with different places that I have worked. Now, how do I think this is going to help me? I think I have a tendency, people joke a little bit and say, I have a tendency to talk too much. You all know Diane, she talks a lot. But I think at the legislature, I, my intention would be truly to really work on um, the other side of the aisle and work with the people. But I would be, not have a problem with speaking out and saying what's right and what's wrong and letting people know the effects of not acting is that look at the number of people that have died. Look at the number of people that can't get tested. We have a problem with testing. Um, we're, we're starting some of the vaccination clinics up for the boosters, which is good. But, uh, you know, to the fact that they don't realize it. And then what did I hear the other day last week in the session is that we can't spend 1.2 million for healthcare workers during a pandemic but we can look at our resources and take $51 million for an aquarium. Now, I may not have anything about the aquarium and it's a different issue, but it's the money that is being allocated. That that disturbed me and I yeah. would make note of it. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, I like aquariums. I, I think aquariums are great. It may be a good project for, uh, for the county as well, but 51 million this year, 35 million uh, in, in, a, in, a, in an upcoming year, um, and yet, when Democrats are pushing for uh, healthcare workers or uh, you know even democracy advantage, advantage, these these things are ignored with a much smaller price tag. Uh, with the city council push for more assistance for rent, uh, yeah. it is ignored as they were told that they didn't have any money to do it. And then two days later, they come up with this eighty-five million dollar proposal, um, and, and that's on top of twenty million dollars. Uh, for a lacrosse field, and then $20 million uh, to give to OSIDA to take people's homes up in clay around a business park in hopes of luring a, a chip factory. Each one of these things individually could be fine, and even all together could be fine, but, yeah. you, but then when we're asking to spend a modest amount to take care of our citizens, that's where, you know, the county all of a sudden claims pauper all the time. And that, that's why you say you talk a lot. I want you on there, county legislature, talking a lot. Because we need, I mean, all of our caucus members talk uh, and, 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 uh, 
and and speak up. Uh, but uh, we need more, and that's why Flip the Ledge is uh, going, and you're a part of that. Um, but you are campaigning in the middle of COVID, I and mean, you know COVID is a big reason why you're getting in as well. How are you planning on campaigning uh, during this time? Uh, well, to, 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 you know, I, I'm going door to door. I have mailers going out. But one of the things is that, uh, once again, I, I, I had obviously no problems with the vaccine because we were we. I went and volunteered to vaccinate people. I also had no problems. People said, "Oh, I don't want to wear a mask." I'm going, "Get it, give me a break." You know. When I go to door to door, I have the, my mask around my neck all the time yeah. and I'll put it on and people will say, that's okay, I've been vaccinated, which really stimulates a good discussion, which I lead in to say how the county ledge voted down money uh, to, to bring back our healthcare workers. Uh, so it, it really, you know, going door to door and I've, in my past history, I've gone door to door a lot. Uh, actually, it's really very nice because I've been yesterday, I was in, uh, well, over the last weekend, I was in Skinny Atlas and Marcellus, and I've walked Camillus, and it's it's really very nice because people say, well, I remember you, <laughs> and they ask why you're running, and I go through my the litany of why. You know, Dustin, I wanted to go back, you know, one of the other things we're talking about, all the money they're allocating, I I've talked to people in Skinny Atlas, Marcellus, Camellus, and actually even Albert, which is not part of my district, but they all, we all know how many times, it's not just the city of Syracuse that has water break, water line breaks. Right. Our sewers are, are very old. They need to be updated. I was told one of the towns, I, was, I did not even know this, that it, they didn't have pipes. The, the water lines were wood. And and I did not know that. And I'm going, this is a disgrace that we are not dealing with some of the basic issues. We need clean water. We need to have, make sure our sewage is taken care of. So, you know, and I'll talk about some of those things and I'll talk about the and people are, they're glad to be informed. Um, a lot of people don't really know what the county ledge, what, what they do and the amount of responsibility we have for legislation and budget issues. There's so many departments. So, I I'm out and about. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, it, uh, I I think that's right. It's like a lot of people don't know what their county ledge does, and I think a lot of people don't know who their county legislators are as well. And 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 that's partly because the county legislators aren't out talking to them, but also partly because of these gerrymandered districts that we've been living with for the last ten years. And um, that issue rose its head in the last couple of weeks, as you know. I'm on the redistricting commission and now we've been called into service at the last minute uh to try to vote on maps uh you know at the time of this taping um you know we're i'm going to be meeting with we're going to have our first meeting on wednesday which was called on a 48 hours notice uh that we were going to start this process it went out of regular order and the only reason is uh, is i believe is that they're going to try to push through more partisan maps even if democrats flip the ledge I know that's been an, um, a, an issue that many candidates have been uh, getting in the race about, you know, starting last year with the broken on, you know, with and you're on the League of Women Voters, which came out for the independent commission, the bipartisan uh, League of Women Voters came out for the independent commission. How, what are your feelings on, on you know, either the, the redistricting commission being started at the last minute here uh, in the middle of a campaign season or the, the way these maps were drawn 10 years ago. 
Well, well, in in both, because I was around for both. I, I happened to be in the legislative body the day they really proposed starting the um, commission for redistricting. And I'm going, wait a second, we don't have to have this till, you know, earliest we needed to start it would be in 2022, because we don't have to have anything until the elections in 2023. Uh, it, so it's really hard to believe that um, I'm trying to be super efficient and get it going early. I, I believe that's a little bit of an excuse. And if anybody took a moment to really look at any of the districts, um, it, it, they're ridiculous. If I'll speak for a moment to the people from Camillus that might know the area. I live on the side of Camillus Mall, the Camillus Commons. My district covers that area, then it crosses over West Genesee and goes a little bit into Orchard Village. And somehow the next part of it, they have a little crossover and I'm in Fairmount by the Camillus Municipal Building. Um, if you don't think that's disjointed, I don't know what it is, you know, once again. Um, it, it definitely is gerrymandering to make sure the population grouping is um, favoring one party over the other. And obviously it's the Republican party at this time. Uh, so I have a real problem with that. And I know in 2010, when I went to one meeting, cause I was chair at the time and, and it, was, it was all set in stone. I mean, we weren't really doing a whole bunch of changes and once again, they made sure that one of the districts was uh, uh, competed against two of our Democratic County legislators, Mark Stanzik and, uh, oh, you, uh, isn't that terrible? I can't forget the other uh, person, um, Lagoza's, yep. Sam Lagoza. Uh, you know, and it was like, so one of them had to decide, you know, it's, uh, in fact, that's when Peggy Chase came in. But so, yeah, I really think we really need to have, um, we, we need to have a combination of everybody looking at it. We need to have an independent redistricting looking at it. And we also need to have input from the community of people because redistricting may look at the numbers, but we know our community and how they, they are next to each other and what groups um, where, where it's, it goes together. So I think needless to say, that's an issue that really needs to be taken care of, especially when you look at the other county ledge districts. Yeah, I mean, that, it, your district isn't that gerrymandered and wasn't really altered all that much, but gerrymandering affects every district. If, if one district is affected, every every district is affected. And there was some movement in your district uh, as well. Um, but, you know, here we have a situation where it does seem pretty obvious that they're moving so they can uh, ignore the will of the voters yet again if the voters choose a democratic legislature, they're going to try to push through a map before the end of the year. That's the only reason to do this because we do have until February of 2023 to adopt maps. You know, like it, it's it, it, this whole thing that the clock is ticking. I mean, we have, sure the census data came in September, but we have six months to start the commission and the census data hasn't been given to the commission members yet. At, you know, so, and, and they were given three days to uh, form the commission. And the Democrats went out and found a PhD in geography to be on the commission along with myself, uh, which I think is gonna be uh, an awesome resource. But uh, the Republicans put on, along with the Re Republican Elections Commissioner and Chairman Knapp, a, uh, a politically connected bar owner, which is fine, but I mean, he's hosted fundraisers for uh, Republicans and Democrats and given to Republicans. And that's their independent. And then they put in the personal attorney of Ryan McMahon. 
uh, you know, Ryan McMahon put in his campaign attorney uh, uh, who represented him on cases last year uh, onto the uh, onto the um, uh, on, onto the uh, the redistricting commission. They may be fine people and they may bring a lot of, to the table, but already we're looking at uh, a very partisan process. It didn't need to be. Very soon. You know, Dustin, one of the things, too, you know, we talk about gerrymandering and actually the gerrymandering of my district was in two in 2000. Uh, Some people may remember Clyde Ole was the county legislator and always was elected and had the majority of Camillus. That is when they took away most of Camillus, added Skinny Atlas, Marcellus, Spafford, and Atisco to the district. An obvious, um, even today, you know, an obvious Republican saturated area. And you know, Clyde, Clyde is no fool. He was the superintendent of schools here, and he decided not to run. But this district had been really Democratic since you know, during Clyde's time. Since his time, it has been strictly Republican. Well, and that's part of the, that's part of the thing is that gerrymandering didn't just happen in 2010, it happened in 2000, and it's happened under 60 years of Republican rule. Uh, yeah. and, 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 that, and as the county's gotten bluer, they've drawn maps to make it so they can continue to keep control of the county. Um, so, Diane, if you are win, you are, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, elected this uh, November. What are you hoping to do as legislature in your first term? Yeah, well, one of the first things that I, I would, I, I have many of the basic things I want to continue protecting the lakes, the farmlands. Uh, um, but once again, I want to make sure and I will really fight to make sure we not only have an effective, but a strong, fully staffed health department because I really do believe we have a pandemic now, but I've been involved with the state health department. We've had epidemics over the years. And as I can, without question, we will have another epidemic on some issue. I remember the measles epidemic. But one of the things that I will do is that I will plan to hold town hall meetings so the people in my community and my constituents can know what is going on, have an opportunity to, listen to me and I can listen to them. What are their concerns? Because my job is to represent them. I may have a lot of beliefs, but I got to make sure it's also consistent with what my constituents want and believe in. The second thing is one of the things that's been really disturbing to me is all of the county ledge meetings are in the afternoon. So therefore, either you have to be retired or somebody with great flexibility in your work if you're working. I really am proposing that we start having county ledge meetings closer to like five o'clock before people go home so they can participate. Also this, if we start to have the ledge meetings at later in the evening at five o'clock, 5.30, it opens up the universe of the people that can participate and run for office. As I said, it would, it, right now we'd limit who can run for office. Uh, and, and that is extremely disturbing to me. So th- those are the you know two of the basic things that I want to you know make sure we I, w- I would try to accomplish. I, I understand that there may be 101 things, but you really have to focus on one or two, and making the county ledge meetings more accessible to everybody in Onondaga County and giving people in Onondaga County the opportunity to, to run and have their viewpoint on the legislative body uh, known. Uh, so, and also just the other thing is, I think people need to be informed. 
Yeah, I mean, town halls is something that is basic and something that people do in every elected office. Uh, you know, you see these set senators and assembly people, especially from our party, uh, yes. having community uh, town halls. And it does seem to be something that has been lacking uh, on the county on the county ledge level and the county wide level, uh, county government as a whole, people don't know what it does, but it does have a $1.4 billion budget. And uh, that is, uh, I think when you tell people that their, their eyes get wide because they, they don't realize how big the county government is. They, they yeah. see their, their city councils, they see their town boards and that's who they think of more, but it's really the county that affects their day-to-day -day life more than anything. But um, Diane, I always end these interviews uh, around the half hour mark. We're doing, you know, we're getting close to that right now. But uh, uh, I, I always want to know what haven't we talked about? What's some important issues for you or facts about you or uh, something you want the voters uh, or the viewers to know um, that we haven't been able to talk about? Well, you know, one of the things, and actually it's something that I think once again, we could be a part of and, and, and help is the, the broadband access, access to broadband. And, you know, normally we'll say access to broadband for the rural communities uh, and going out and talking to people, I'm finding out people in the village of Skinny Atlas have difficulties with the internet. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Um, have trouble. So it's it's not just rural, well, if you, depending on if you call us rural or not, but it's all the communities. And I even know in the village of Camillus, if you have one provider, you can't get on the internet. So it's not, it's it's the rural area. And I think the uh, being um, virtual teaching and education really showed the problem that we have that, oh, oh, we'll just go virtual. Well, we don't know if people have computers and we don't know if they can get on the internet. So that is another issue of mine that is really a concern. And you know, the other thing too is I like is sustainable economic development. When I was on the town board, I really worked to make sure we had good, uh, companies, retail, uh, manufacturing coming into the area because they're going to stay and they're going to provide good jobs. So I will always fight for that. But it has to be responsible planning. I was uh, chair of the planning and zoning. So I got very, very involved in that when I was on the town board. Uh, so th those are two things that I didn't mention that actually uh, I it really it's like I, I really enjoyed it. I don't think many people like doing zoning and planning and looking at maps, but I really enjoyed learning about it and participating in it. Now, the one last thing on the 17th of this month, one of the things with the campaign, we're going to do a lit drop, a literature drop in um, Skinny Atlas on a Saturday. So that those are the last three things that I can think of right now. <laughs> yeah, well, that's this Saturday, right? Uh, this will be airing on Thursday of next week. So this Saturday, if you're in Skinny Atlas and want to help uh, get involved with your campaign, where can people find you, uh, Diane? Are you are you on Facebook? Are you have a website? Where where can people find you? Yeah, but I actually I have a, a website. I have a Facebook. I think the website might be easier to get to. It's electdianedwire.com. All right. And that, that is set up to go to my Facebook. It also was set up to go to Act Blue to donate. <laughs> yeah, you always do that. Well, yeah. Diane, thank you so much for coming and spending some time with me today and talking about the issues. Good luck in your campaign. I hope uh, that the voters uh, send you uh, to uh, to represent them. You'd be 
a treasure in their community. You already are, and you'd be a great uh, advocate for them. Um, <clears throat> so, thank Best you, I want to thank you for doing everything you do. And you mentioned very early on that I have been a supporter of you. I think you are an excellent commissioner of elections. And just if you, for the public, Dustin and I did not always agree on everything, but you know what? It was what I was saying. We talked about it, we worked it out, and we came to a mutually agreeable decision. And that's what counts. You got to talk to people. And I, so Dustin, you have done a great job, and I look forward to you continuing. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. You're right. We didn't always agree on everything, <laughs> and but but we did. But I always uh, respected that you were honest and forthright with me. You told me what you would do, Same. and you would you did it when you told me you would do it, and when you told me you wouldn't do it, you didn't do it. Uh, and I and I and I expected you know and I and I and I respected that because I always knew uh, that you. All, but I also always knew that you heard me and that you hear your constituents uh, and that you will. Uh, listen to their concerns. And that's important in a public servant. So thank you. Um, I, I modeled my public service after your public service. So <laughs> it, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, I, I think is very beneficial. So uh, today, uh, you know, uh, it's Thursday, we're, we're just, you know, a few weeks away, early voting will be starting on uh, on, on Saturday. <laughs> it, 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 uh, uh, no, no, yeah, no, it won't be starting this week. No, I'm, I'm trying to think of when this is airing. It'll be starting in, in about a little bit over a week. And um, we are, uh, uh, no, it will, I can't, no, it won't. No, it's, I'm sorry, I, I'm going to have to, I, I'm sorry, I take these things ahead of time and I, and I know when this is being released, it's being released uh, this Thursday. So it'll be about nine days before early voting starts. Um, absentee ballots are available still. You if you uh, need an absentee ballot uh, due to COVID, uh, you can get it. Uh, and finally, uh, please go out there. In our, you know, okay. in our community is in crisis. Rate cases are rising. They're at higher levels now than they were at the middle of the pandemic without the vaccine. And that's because we're opening up and we're, we're going out and we're not mitigating, but yet people still aren't getting the vaccine. So please, first, get the vaccine. It, it is a miracle. It is if you can get a booster, get the booster. Uh, this is how we fight this virus and keep people safe. But secondly, think about mitigating when you're in public indoor spaces because uh, you know it is proven to have worked. The CDC recommends it in high transmission areas. And please remember, if you're going to vote this uh, fall, which you should, uh, you need to wear a mask in, to to vote. Uh, it is a public indoor space. We will be enforcing the mask uh, rulings, uh, and it's on the recommendation of the State Board of Elections as well as the CDC. And we will provide masks, but we don't have a ton. So bring your masks when you come to vote this fall, either early voting or election day. Thank you very much. Thank you to my guest again, Diane Dwyer, for coming on Zoom with Zarni, and enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you.